Thank brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm Xiao Feng. I'm actually from Sabah. A lot of people ask, what am I doing here? I came to Seminary Theology Malaysia in the year 2020, started my teaching ministry there. Before that, I was with Sabah Theological Seminary, also te teaching there. Uh, but I came to full-time ministry rather late in life, probably uh, in my 50s. After some years in the corporate world, God's call came and I uh, went into this ministry to serve God. Well, today I'd like to share with you from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 10 that we have just read. I suppose when we talk about mission in a Mission Sunday, uh, a Christian concept would come to our mind by the name of, we usually say, calling. Uh, uh. So calling in a sense, uh, what, what does it mean? So here we have Jeremiah, a young lad, probably a teenager of about 12 to 17 years old, um, uh, receiving his calling from God. Right? So talking about calling, I don't know if you remember during school days, we used to be asked by the teacher to write this kind of composition. My ambition, la, cita cita saya, la, uh, 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 yuan, la, you know, whatever, right? So those are the times that people get really excited. Friends will say, hey, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, engineer, policeman, or things like that, you know. Those were the days, right? And uh, some of us don't really have a clue what we want to be in the future, but that is the time we start to explore uh, and think, hey, what can I be in the future? So uh, somehow, uh, or rather, you know, uh, we come to a situation of thinking about calling and, and you, you get into a certain vocation in your life, right? And uh, leads you there somehow. And, uh, you know, when we feel informed, uh, when we want to apply for anything, you feel informed there is this column called occupation, right? Pekerjaan. I don't think that word is right, you know. You see how occupation come from a root word occupy. Uh? It's like you're just occupying a space like that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. But I think a better word for it would be vocation, which describe the a certain skill set or a certain uh, professional setting that you are in to provide your services. Somehow I like the word vocation better. Lah. And you'll find that vocation at the, in terms of the language, the root, ah, seems to be associated with another English word, vocal, which has to do with voice, you see. So even in the medieval church or as we develop in church tradition, we came to use the, vo the word vocation uh, to denote a calling to go into full-time pastoral ordained ministry, right? So uh, in, in, in many uh, uh, traditional church denominations, we, we, when we say vocation, uh, we mean Christians who actually dedicated their life to a full-time ministry as a pastor or an ordained minister. Right? So it, it, it comes to show like somehow uh, each one of us as we uh, progress in life and end up in a certain profession, there seems to be a kind of a voice uh, leading us to it and then finally settle down and you decided that my life is dedicated to this path right? and, and something like that. Yeah. So in Christian life, as I mentioned, we always use this word calling to refer to that kind of a vocational uh, instruction for us to enter into what we would 
mentioned full-time ministry, right? Full-time meaning the whoever responds to the calling will go into a pastoral ministry or a mission, become a missionary or something like that, dedicating his whole life to become a lifelong uh, 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 work-related kind of Christian ministry in church, in Christian organization, mission body or whatsoever. Lah. Right? But however, I think when we want to talk about calling uh, as a Christian, I think each of us Christian, uh, if we have already uh, made a commitment to follow Jesus in our life, we would at least, would, we would at least experience two sorts of calling. Uh. The first calling is the one when we actually responded to God and say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I want to follow you. I want to accept Jesus into my life and become a Savior and Lord. Something like that. Coming to the proclamation, the calling for us to submit our life, surrender our life to Him and become His servant and, and, and to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior. I think that's the first and foremost calling for all of us Christians who has the evangelical call, so to say. Uh, I myself come to accept Christ at the year at the age of 15 years old. I grew up in a Roman Catholic family. Uh. As I told you, Sabah, uh, Roman Catholic is a big crowd. I think same thing with West Malaysia, right? Okay. It's, it's, it's a very big uh, population. So I grew up writing in form religion, RC, okay, Roman Catholic. Right? But I I, my family seldom go to church and I don't really know what I believe in until when I become, come to teenage days, I already more or less tell people that I don't believe in anything but myself. Right? I'm already becoming a free thinker. But it is at that time uh, that I come to join this particular wonderful organization called the Boys Brigade. Now, uh, just now this morning, we're talking to Mr. Ku. Uh, we have uh, something in common there, right? So that is where I found Christ. In the Boys Brigade, I grew up, I joined Boys Brigade in, in, on, at the age of 15, uh, uh, 11. And finally, by the age of 15, by then, I already hold a rank, la, local lunch corporal. La, right? and, then, and we went to an international camp, and that is the time when the pastor said, who wants to commit your life to God? Who wants to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And that was the night that with... Uh, heart on fire, I put up my hand and I said, I want to believe in Christ. But that was not the first time the calling came. Uh. I think you also experienced the same thing. The calling could have come many times, you know, but I did not respond. But that was the night that I responded. Yes, I think as far as Christian is concerned, the first calling would definitely be that, that calling when we actually come and yield ourselves to God. But however, uh, that calling come with the kind of a, how do you call a mission or commission that we are called to actually share about the Christ that we come to believe in with other people, isn't it? So it, it, it comes with it. Uh, in the Bible, uh, as, as Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives all his disciples this commission and say, you are to make disciples of all nations. Jeremiah shared that same calling because when he was called as a prophet for the Judahite nation, for the nation Judah, he was actually receiving a very special calling. He was called as an international prophet. 
of his day, not only to his own people, but God said, you are to speak to the nations as well, right? the nations around me. So, illustrious ministry. So, dear friends, I think I'm going to extend a further from there that that calling would come to each and every Christian as well. That God will come to us with a second calling to tell us that I knew you and I have a special purpose for your life. You are to become a pastor or missionary or an engineer or a lawyer or a teacher or an accountant or a grab driver or a cook or whatsoever right in your profession you are special right whatever whatever walks of life you are in you are mine you are my engineer you are my lawyer you are my teacher that is a different purpose there, right, as a Christian. So if you forget everything else that I said today, I just probably just want to point this. Maybe you should remember this. I don't think there's such thing called part-time Christian now. Right? All Christians are meant to be full-time. We don't come to church on Sunday and say we are Christian now. Then the other days, what? No Christian anymore, right? Okay, so basically when we are called to Christ, we are all full-time. Don't say full-time is only the pastor. I part-time only. Where God? Full-time. We are all full-time missionary in our own capacity, right? In where we are, what we are doing and all this. We bear the mark of Christ and we are supposed to live a life that glorify Him and let people lead people to Him. So Jeremiah received that kind of a calling. And when he received it, the uh, funny thing is, in verse 1, I mean, these are all a, a kind of a formula in prophetic books. Uh, uh. So I studied Old Testament, I studied the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and uh, 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 who? Uh, Ezekiel, and all the other prophets. Uh. This is seem to be a formula. Uh. They will say, uh, the word of the Lord came to me, right? Uh, so, it, so it's like, I know this one is God's word. Now, sometimes we, we wonder, how do they know? Uh? Did they hear a voice or what? I mean, if I'm praying uh, alone and in the house, suddenly a voice comes, uh, I think I'm going to be very afraid. Uh, right? uh, but I, I think probably it's not necessarily an audible one. But I do believe that all of us experience that too. At certain point of time when you're silent before God and you're waiting upon Him, suddenly you sense, you know that He's speaking to you in that kind of close relation. And I think, I think Jeremiah has that kind of a start because he is from a priestly family. If you read from verse 1 to verse 3, he is from a family of priests. I believe from young he has already been train uh, or, or at least prepared to go into priesthood and he knows God's word he knows about Judah's covenant with God and so on and so forth and, and, and he probably this is not the first time just like me this is not the first time he heard God's calling but this is the time that he is very sure and he actually responded and said yes God I want to do it right? okay, so this is a significant I mean, even as I was looking at the brother just now coming up, preparing the stage, and I, I mean, assuming that it's the little 
kid is the son, right? Coming up with him, I was thinking, this boy is going to grow up as a church technician. You know what I mean? I have two sons. I understand how, how, how it is. When you go, I mean, I hope my son can be here with me today. Right? Somehow or other, he, he, he can't make it, right? So, you, 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 it, I think it is a situation like that with Jeremiah. He grew up in an environment that is close to God. And by this time, 12, 13 years old, he finally got his vocational calling, what God wants him to do. So then how, he, how did he, basically, what, what is the call? The calling say, I, uh, what, I knew you and I set you apart, right? I knew you even before you were born, things like that. So this is a young man and he's receiving this call. So what did he say? He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Uh, it's actually a poetic phrase, huh? right? Uh, and uh, before you were born, I set you apart. So when I, I, I teach Old Testament, I often tell my students, or my lecturer also told me, if it is poetic, sometimes you have to look at it in a kind of an emotional and pictorial way, right? So when God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, what does he mean? Uh, well, go a little bit theological. It can mean two things. La. Number one is what we call a foreknowledge thing, la, meaning God already knew what Jeremiah will do in his life. Therefore, he said, before I, I knew you. Uh, uh. So, of course, the other interpretation would be the, the something that we would always have taken it to be so. That is, God made Jeremiah and therefore he got all his very sophisticated plan. Uh, uh, any any information, what do you call system analysis here? You, know, you do computer programming, uh, all the things uh, you set uh, and all that, all, all, all planned out. And, and God's systematic plan, I believe, would be definitely higher than ours. Lah. I think his technology is far more complicated than ours for us to understand, right? Okay, in terms of the logic. But it seems like God said he knew already. Knowing means he knows Jeremiah, his strength and his weaknesses, his inclination, his preferences, his fears, his doubts, his anxiety. He knows everything about him and therefore he knows how much he can take and he will know what he can do and what he can't. He will be always with him and protect him. Then the next phrase is he say, before you were born, I set you apart. By the way, if you read Paul, Paul by far would be quoting Jeremiah when he say he is called to the ministry of the Gentiles uh, before the foundation of the earth. You know, he go as far as that. Right? So, so it is the same sort of a theological perception and conception of the all knowledge of God that God knows and God has a special purpose for each and every one of us. So, Setting apart is a, is a religious and spiritual term uh, that is used by the Jewish, uh, what do you call, in, in, the, in the Yahwistic cult, meaning the religion of Yahweh, uh, right? To refer to a, a priestly or Levitical kind of a procedure when you set something aside specially for the purpose of the use of spiritual and religious rituals in the temple, right? So, so it, the root word for setting apart in Hebrew is actually holy, you know. 
That means to set apart is to make the thing holy and sacred for a purpose of God, right? So, so it can mean like a person, okay, you've got two persons, and this person is set apart to be the priest, uh, Levite, uh, and there are certain law about it that only those people can serve in the temple, right? Okay? And they need to be consecrated seriously uh, with the ritual and things like that. And the other thing is tools and things that is used in the temple also need to be consecrated and sacred. So the factory may come up with two, I don't know, clay jars or utensil or something like that. Same two utensils, same chalice, cup or whatsoever. One is for, okay, the domestic use, anyone, right? Okay. But the other one, this one is specially for the temple. It's same thing, but this one consecrated specially for it. Dear friends, perhaps we are like that. We are also living in this world. We also go to work every day. We also do it, but we are just different from the one next to you because you are called for a purpose, because you belong to God. And therefore, our life has to be different. Right? So, I mean, if we want to talk about mission, you don't have to wait until you go to the mission field to be a missionary. Alright? So, yeah. So, special purpose. So, God say, I have already preordained you for a special purpose in life. God made him special. Well, uh, what is the God's special purpose here? I mentioned to you. Say, I appoint you to be a prophet to the nations. That means he is not to only speak. Of course, God told him already, any, you are supposed to go anywhere. I go ask you to go talk, talk about anything that I ask you to talk about. Right? Okay? And, 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 and he's not about only going to their own people. No. Going to their own people already already scary enough already for a 13-year-old, 15-year-old, you know what I mean? Uh, hey, you're going to go and tell them, uh, tell them off all the bad things that they do and so on and so forth. Hey, I'm only 15 years old, okay? How am I going to go to the, 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 the uncle there and say such thing? Already scary enough. And then not only that, you say, you're supposed to go and speak to the nations, prophets to the nations. And true enough, in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, there is that particular uh, section in the book that is known as Oracle Against Nations. These are great prophets who not only spoke uh, against their own people, but they also go to hammer the other nations also, la, Edom, la, Amon, la, Egypt, la, you know, and things like that. So they are prophet in that sense. And Jeremiah was one of them. He is set apart to be a prophet for God and an international prophet in that sense, right? So how do you feel, I mean, if you're a young chap like Jeremiah and suddenly you are given such an appointment, uh, this is how he responded. Are you sure you want me? Uh? <laughs> okay. uh, he he tells God, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. The phrase, I am too young in Hebrew is, uh, can be directly translated as I am only a child. Sayani budak sahaja. So I'm just a child. Uh, so in Chinese, say, in Chinese, but I think the better translation is I'm just a little child. Now, Sometimes we think, hey, he, 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 I don't think he is giving excuse. I think he is being truthful with the feeling that I'm inadequate. I think I'm ill-prepared. I think I'm more I need more time and things like that. But 
One thing is clear, he know what God is talking about, he know what God wants him to do, but he just feel that, I, I haven't gone to seminary, uh, okay? Something like that, okay? Uh, but let me share about this with you from my experience. When God's calling karma, it can be a very scary thing, you know? And it's nothing about age, uh. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, I think that feeling like I do not know how to speak, I'm only a child, would still appear. When God's, come to, when God's calling come to me at, 50, at the age of 50, uh, I was kembang, you know, I thought I am okay. Uh. I think you, you made a right choice, uh, God. Uh. I already got my PhD. Uh, I got Master of Education, well-educated, and very experienced in the church, you know, and all this. You never know what happens after that that humbles me, you know what I mean? So when I come to STM, uh, just wanting to teach, just want to be a teacher. I know God, my calling, you know, you call me to teach. Lah. I humble myself only to teach and research. Then suddenly, when the council told me, we're going to appoint you as the principal, uh, you can imagine how scary that is. And, and Jeremiah's response come to my mind. Na'ar anoki, I am only a child. That is what I share with Bishop Hua Yong. <laughs> That was exactly my feeling. By then, I'm 55 already. I have already got my Master of Theology on top of all my circular degree. Eh? I've already gone through my MD, uh, went to Princeton to do theology, Master of Theology some more. But still, when that came, I was like little Jeremiah. I am only a child. So friends, if you are sensing or if you are hearing God's calling today and you are really like very fearful there, I assure you that is perfectly normal, right? Ah, so just hope that it doesn't affect the BP and the pulse rate, lah, okay? <laughs> ah, but it's perfectly normal. It has nothing to do with actual physical age. It's just a feeling that, hey, I think I'm not prepared, lah. For this, it came too soon. God give me some time. Are you sure you want me? I, I, I think Reverend Shen doing a good job. Brother Tan, Mr. Kula, we'll be pointing on so many other people seem better than me. But what did God say? God said, I knew you. Isn't it? I knew you before you were formed in the womb. Poetically. Okay. I knew you. I know your strength, I know your weakness, I know your inclination, I know all the apprehensions you have, I know your love, I know your hate, I know everything about you. Meaning what? Are you doubting my selection? <laughs> okay, I'm from HR. Uh. <laughs> so when you go through interview, right, and all this, uh, we go through all the CV, uh, all check checking whether fit or not. So God, uh, God knows us, uh, He doesn't need our CV one, you know. <laughs> Right? He knows even better than the CV, what you are secretly. Right? So if he say you can do it, I think you can. Lah. Isn't it? Right? So, but of course, the, the thing is that the lesson to be learned is what Jeremiah learned in verses 7 to 10. In a nutshell, is that this is not about you. 
it's about me. When God's calling come, we must understand this. It's not about me. It's about God or what He wants to do. This is God's ministry we're talking about. I'm not talking about what you are going to accomplish, you know. This is not just another appointment. Oh. This is the appointment. And, and when, I, when my appointment was publicized, one of my Form 6 classmates back in Sabah, she texted me personally and said, this is not just another ordinary appointment. My prayer goes with you. I was so touched. Because this appointment is not about glory, it's not about achievement, it's not about those days and you are climbing the corporate ladder and want to get to the top and get a fat salary and perks, you know what I mean? It's about something that God wants to place on our shoulder. Right? So, yeah, so God say, do not say I am too young. I will do all things where you where I want you to go, you should go. Where I want you to say, you should say. And furthermore, he touched his mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. Later on, when you read further, you will see God keep on assuring Jeremiah that I will be with you where you are, giving him encouragement and tell him, you know, make your face strong uh, and, and that kind of thing, right? Your neck will be as hard as iron, you know, that kind of thing. I will strengthen you. And man, if we just follow God's leading, I think we will be able to experience that part. But probably the, the, the general, uh, what you call sequence when we receive call, God's calling may be like that. It will begin with the suspicion and fear and uncertainty when God's calling comes, we sense it. We, 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 we sort of, hey, is it really God here? Or am I thinking out? Or, 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 or I get, but once I confirm, then I'm, I feel afraid. Uh, can I do it or not? Uh? I, 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 I don't have time. Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing, uh, a lot of things. I mean. Well, a lot of us, including me, would have brushed it aside for the moment and say, delay first, lah, huh? hang on, lah. keep in view, KIV, KIV. Uh, so in, in management, uh, in corporate, when we see KIV, right? Uh, so at one time I remember in one of the management meetings, I actually blurred out there, you know, hey, we only have one management meeting every month. Uh. Every time we KIV something, it's one month gone in a year. It's one twelfth of the time gone in a year. You know? I actually <laughs> blurt out there, don't care. Right? It's quite true. Huh? Oh, so KIV, so we KIV a lot. Lah. This one KIV, KIV. Right? But if we don't KIV and we begin to affirm and we realize that hey, this is really God's calling and we respond and you get the affirmation and you make the decision and begin to act, Sometimes uh, it's a step-by-step -step thing. Uh. I told you what, uh, I begin to know Christ and then after that one calling come another. It all depends on how you respond to the calling. As you continue to actually act and make the decision, God will be like what he tells Jeremiah, that I, will put my words, I have put my words into your mouth. I will strengthen you. I will go together with you where you go. I will make your neck as hard as iron. You know what I mean? Those experiences will not come until we make a decision like Jeremiah lah, and say, I will do it. Okay? Uh, uh, well, I, I guess uh, the problem sometimes is God's calling uh, may not be coming with a loudspeaker from heaven or angel come down like that. Lah, uh. It might be happen in a very ordinary 
kind of situation, the most ordinary one, and suddenly you hear that gentle whisper or in Elijah, uh, in, in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19 there, Elijah heard a gentle whisper. In Hebrew, is a sound of silence. And you know the song, Simon and Garfunkel, <laughs> sound of silence. Huh? So, but sound and silence is a, how do you call this? Oxymoron, right? How do you have sound and yet silent? But that is how God sometimes speaks to us, you know. Out of the silence comes a sound that you are very sure this must be Him. Well, I want to share with you one particular uh, ministry that I know when I was studying in Princeton that I find really, really, uh, well, it, it stick to my mind. It's a ministry called the Centurion Ministry in Princeton. Um, the founder is a man by the name of Jim McCloskey, who is a Princeton Theological Seminary alumni, right? Well, he, he, the, 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 the ministry is named after Luke chapter 23, uh, when the centurion who, who stand below the cross saw Jesus die, he said, surely this man is righteous. Right? So that's that how it was named. So how did McCloskey started this ministry? He came to share about his experience uh, in one of the chapel services in Princeton. And uh, it started, okay, McCloskey is a naval intelligence officer, U.S. naval intelligence officer. So he retired at about 30 over years old. I mean, serviceman, you get early retirement. And then he went and became a shipping consultant, shipping operations consultant uh, for the whole world international shipping scene for some years until he retired for the second time, somewhere around 50 years old, and then he entered seminary. He got the calling, he go to Princeton and to do MDF. So uh, very much like me, I also celebrated my 50th birthday in Princeton. You know? right? So uh, yeah, so Jim, during his first year in his MDiv course, has an internship. So he chose to go to the prison ministry, you know, of the uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. Princeton Theological Seminary has a prison ministry where they organize classes there for the inmates. Okay? And some of the inmates come to have a deeper religious experience with Christ and come to seminary to complete their study in MDiv as well. I met some of, one of them there, right? Okay, so... So, uh, yeah, so Jim went there for ministry and he, in the first year when he go there, although he is not particularly dealing with this person, he always have this Hispanic inmate continually coming to him and say, I am innocent. Keep on saying that every time he see him, I am innocent, I am innocent. And this is a Hispanic inmate convicted for murder, okay? So he kept on saying, I'm innocent. So after one whole year, finally McCloskey think, hey, is this something that I need to do? Then he decided to stop his second year study. He, he, he deferred his study. He take out his own money uh, and look for a lawyer to help this man and freed him from the, what you call, uh, false accusation. Right. So that man was freed from his murder charge. And after that, 
he completed his MDiv when he finished. He built this ministry, and uh, by the time I met uh, Jim, he he did, he is retiring already, and uh, uh, someone is taking over. So the ministry is still going on. Oh. so he has a vision, and this come from a calling that God brought to him through a Hispanic inmate. So friends, I think from this experience, it tells me that we cannot think that God always will speak to us through the pastor la, or whatsoever. He can be speaking to us through anything. Our circumstances in life, we just have to remain very, very observant and sensitive his, to his calling every minute and every second because he might just be speaking to us through a very, very unassuming event or person, right? Okay? So, yeah, so be sensitive so, so that when the calling comes, uh, hopefully we'll be able to respond positively like Jeremiah or like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he received God's calling, he saw the vision of God and when God said, whom shall I send and who will go for us, that we will be able to respond like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me, not knowing where I'm going, not knowing whether I can do it or not, just knowing that since God has sent me, He will be, He will bring me through and He will give whatever resources that I need to go through it. And if it is training, He will bring me to a certain form of training that I'll be able to go through. Allow me to have some time to just share with you about STM. I think in we, we, we know, uh, some of us would know STM is a seminary that is actually jointly, uh, uh, how do you call it? established uh, by um, a few main denominations in Malaysia, uh, particularly in Peninsula. Lah. So you have the Anglican Diocese of the West Malaysia, you have the Methodist Church in Malaysia, particularly three annual conferences, the Chinese, Chinese annual conference, the Tamil annual conference, and TREK. Right? And we have uh, the ELCM, the Evangelical Lutheran Ch Church of Malaysia in Malaysia, Lutheran Church in Malaysia, and also uh, Courageous Presbyterian Malaysia. So it, it's an it's a interdenominational seminary, and these churches, when they want to prepare their workers, they will send to Seminary Theology Malaysia. Established in 1979, the mission is to facilitate full-time workers and lay people to grow in Christian maturity. So I suppose uh, young Jeremiah uh, could hear the calling and go to STM, I suppose, or he could have like hear the first calling and go to STM and get further calling. Right? So it, it's a time where we, we just go in in a mode of study to try to understand God's calling better. And uh, uh, we have expanded, as you can see, we are not talking about just full-time pastoral workers here. They are Christian leaders or any lay Christians who think that you, we want to be equipped more, right, better for ministry. There are courses and uh, programs that we can also follow uh, to uh, be further equipped. So since uh, establishment, uh, we have already trained uh, more than 1,500 uh, alumni, they are serving. Reverend Shen is one of them, and uh, so grateful Trinity to host us in this event. That uh, after the pandemic, finally we can. We always say, uh, 
finally, uh, we can turun padang again, uh, right? Okay, uh, so we can come and uh, engage with the churches. Today, like uh, uh, just now, Brother Tan was sharing, we, we are at several churches around uh, in, in Penang to, to sort of uh, uh, talk to you and share. Yesterday, we were meeting with alumni and, and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah, theological education is a holistic thing. Not only we are talking about the curriculum part, about Bible, theology, and things like that, we also deal with practical ministry, uh, learning to how to, 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 to implement or carry out certain ministry, mission, and so on and so forth. And there is the core curriculum part, uh, which is as important in terms of spiritual formation. There's pastoral groups there. Uh, where we have a small group with uh, the, the lecturer actually pastoring the student in spiritual growth. We have chapel services and so on and so forth. Yeah, just an update for you. Uh, this year, this is the kind of a student population we're talking about. Right? They, I mean, for, from year to year, is for the last few years, it has always been like that. Like. In total, there are 500 over-registered students. But on campus, we have around this year 76 full-time on campus who are required to stay on campus lah, uh, for their spiritual formation, character development, and so on and so forth as community. We have, I think, just three is actually doing their FE year this year, meaning uh, especially with Methodists, uh, the system is you go there for two years and then they will, the, the church will put you for one year internship in the church and then you go back there and feel, you do one more year to complete. So that is uh, the three person who is doing the so-called field education year. And our postgraduate and TEE by far makes up the, the biggest lot, lah, about 418. Uh, TEE means theological education by extension. This means uh, this might be lay Christians or actually serving pastors who are doing part-time study at their own location. They are still serving and working and then they take part-time classes from our TEE center. So our campus is in Suramban, but a lot of this TEE are everywhere. Right now it's basically mainly online still. But in the past, what happened is there will be intensive classes over the weekend, once in two, three months or something like that for the students to go through. We have a STM KL center in Wisma Methodist that is for the English TEE. And we have Chinese TEE that goes set up already. We have a center in Ipoh, right? So yesterday in, uh, in, in, in interaction with the pastors and things like that, they were saying, maybe we can actually offer some of the Chinese courses further up to the north so that people from Penang also can join, right? Okay, uh, from the Ipoh. But we will be doing that kind of planning. But with technology nowadays, we can always run what you call TEE online already, basically. So uh, the new building uh, extension in STM that has been planned last few years, finally completed end of last year. So we are now already using the new building uh, extension. Uh, so thank you for all the support of the loving Christian who care for God's ministry and things like that, including Trinity. Uh, Right, uh, so, so, so all this has already come to reality. So, so the new building now has hybrid facilities. We have four classrooms that can do hybrid, something like this. You can have physical as well as online at the same time. And we have conference room that can do that as well for meeting among council members and so on and so forth. Right, so, 
So uh, these are some uh, latest development in STM. So to, do come down and visit us one of these days if you, if you uh, like to organize a trip or something like that to STM and, and uh, uh, have a look at the new environment. So how do you participate in, in, in uh, uh, theological education? It's also a mission, I guess, right? So you can take classes, you can uh, well, we, we want to be a partner in your ministry. If you need help in your ministry, let's say, for instance, you need some sort of training, Bible seminar and things like that, do contact us. Uh, we would be very glad to provide such support as much as we can. Your prayers is very much needed, of course. Uh, so right now we have 10 full-time faculty, 10 full-time lecturers. We actually need, lah, huh, in my calculation, at least 15 lah, to, to, to make it viable right okay so but uh i think the year before last four four lecturers with phd uh, two become bishop one retired and one moved to sabah <laughs> so we lost straight away four phd uh, lecturer so we are with less phd lecturer now so pray for lecturers that we can uh what do you call uh continue on with this journey of uh, education uh, financially, thank you for your support. And if you still feel, right, there are some of you who feel called to support us and be our partner or friends in financial support, uh, please contact us. We will give you further details on this. So uh, I think uh, I have got the uh, form QR code here as well. Right, This is for STM friend. If you think that you, you know, God put it in your heart that you want to commit some funds to support STM in theological education ministry. You can just fill in the form. Uh, the commitment is uh, at least 300 ringgit a year, right? Uh, and, and, and it's a way of pledge, right? And you can also uh, do a donation, a one-time donation through a Do It Now and things like that for us. Thank you so much for having us and supporting our ministry. And I think we should return to God and search for our calling and what is our special purpose. Let us pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are the Lord of our life. No matter what we're doing now or how we have got here, we believe that there is something that you have done in our life that leads us towards this direction. Help us to search and know about what is your special purpose in our life, that we may continue to walk that path to fulfill what you have made us for and what you mean uh, to happen in our life. We commit ourselves to you and uh, we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.